0: Chapter 2. Between the dream I couldn't remember and the boy I couldn't have seen, I was spooked. Until I got at least one question out of my head, focusing on my Spanish test was out of the question. So I called Aunt Lauren. When I got her voicemail, I'd said I'd phoned back at lunch. I was halfway to my friend Carrie's locker when my aunt called back. Did I ever live in a house with a basement, I asked. And good morning to you too. Sorry, I had this dream and it's bugging me. I told her about bits i could recall ah that would have been the old house in allentown you were just a tyke i'm not surprised you don't remember thanks it was bugging you i can tell must have been a doozy of a nightmare something about a monster living in the basement very cliche i'm ashamed of myself monster what the pa system on her end cut her off a tiny voice saying dr fellows please report to station 3b "'That'd be your cue,' I said. "'I can't wait. "'I can wait. "'Is everything okay, Chloe?' "'You sound off.' "'No. "'Jess, my imagination's in overdrive today. "'I freaked Milo out this morning, "'thinking I saw a boy and run in front of the cab. "'What?' "'There wasn't a boy. "'Not outside my head, anyways.' "'I saw Carrie at her locker and waved. "'The bell's going to ring, so... "'I'm picking you up after school. "'High tea at the Crown. "'We'll talk.' "'The line went dead before I could argue. "'I shook my head and ran to catch up with Carrie.' School, not much to say about it. People think art schools must be different. All that creative energy simmering, classes full of happy kids, even the goths as close to happy as their tortured schools will allow. They figured art schools must have less peer pressure and bullying. After all, most kids there are the ones who get bullied in other schools. It's true that stuff like that isn't bad at AR gurning high. But when you put kids together, no matter how similar they seem, lines are drawn clicks form. Instead of jocks and geeks and nobodies, you get artists and musicians and actors. As theater arts students, I was lumped in with the actors, where talent seemed to count less than looks, poise, and verbal ability. I didn't turn heads and scored a fat zero in the last two. On a popularity scale, I ranked a perfectly mediocre five, the kind of girl nobody thinks a whole lot about. But I'd always dreamed about being in art school, and it was as cool as I'd imagined. Better yet, my father had promised that I could stay until I graduated, no matter how many times we moved. That meant, for the first time in my life, I wasn't the new girl. I started at A.R. Gurney as a freshman, like everyone else. Just like a normal kid, finally. That day, though, I didn't feel normal. I'd spent the morning thinking about the boy in the street. There were plenty of logical explanations. I'd been staring at his lunchbox, so I misjudged where he'd been running. He jumped into a waiting car at the curb, or swerved at the last second and vanished into the crowd. That made perfect sense. So why did it still bug me? "'Oh, come on,' Miranda said as I rooted through my locker at lunchtime. "'He's right there. Ask him if he's going to the dance. How tough can that be?' "'Leave her alone,' Beth said as she reached over my shoulder and grabbed my bright yellow lunch bag from the top shelf and dangled it. "'Don't know how you could miss this, Chloe. It's practically neon.' She needs a stepladder to see that high, Carrie said. I banged her with my hip and she bounced away, laughing. Beth rolled her eyes. Come on, people, or we'll never get a table. We made it as far as Brent's locker before Miranda elbowed me. Ask him, Chloe. She mock whispered it. Brent glanced over and then quickly looked away. My face heated and I clutched my bag to my chest. Carrie's long, dark hair brushed my shoulder. He's a jerk, she whispered. Ignore him. No, he's not a jerk. He just doesn't like me. Can't help that. Here, Miranda said. I'll ask him for you. No, I grabbed her arm. Please. Her round face screwed up in disgust. God, you can be such a baby. You're 15, Chloe. You have to take matters into your own hands. Like phoning a guy until his mother tells you to leave him alone, Carrie said. Miranda only shrugged. That's Rob's mother. He never said it. Yeah, you just keep telling yourself that. Then they... That set them off for real. Normally, I'd have to jump in and make them quit, but I was still upset over Miranda embarrassing me in front of Brent. Carrie, Beth, and I used to talk about guys, but we weren't totally into them. Miranda was. She'd had more Brent boyfriends than she could name. So when she started hanging with us, it suddenly became really important to have a guy that we liked. I worried enough about being immature, and it didn't help that she burst out laughing when I admitted I'd never been on a real date, so I invented a crush. Brent. I figured I could just name a guy I liked and that would be enough. Not a chance. Miranda had outed me, telling me him that I liked him. I'd been horrified. Well, mostly. There'd also been a little part of me that hoped to go, cool, I really like Chloe too. Not a chance. Before we used to talk in Spanish class sometimes. Now we sat two rows away, like I'd suddenly developed the world's worst case of B.O.' We just reached the cafeteria when someone called my name. I turned to see Nate Bosian jogging towards me, his red hair like a beacon in the crowded hall. He bumped into a senior, grinned an apology, and kept coming. Hey, I said as he drew near. Hey, yourself, did you forget Petrie rescheduled film club for lunchtime this week? We disc- we're discussing avant-garde. You know, or I know you love art films. I fake gagged. I'll send you your regrets then, and I'll tell Petrie you aren't interested in directing that short either. We're deciding that today, Nate walked backwards, away. Maybe, maybe not. So I'll tell Petrie, gotta run, I tell my friends, and hurried up to catch him. The film club meetings started backstage as always, where we'd go through business stuff and eat lunch. Food wasn't allowed in the auditorium. We discussed the short, and I was on the list for uh, directors, the only freshman who'd made the cut. After, as everyone else watched the scenes from Abat Garn Films, I mulled through my options for an audition tape. I snuck out before it ended and headed back to my locker. My brain kept whirling until I was halfway there. Then my stomach started acting up again, reminding me that I'd been so excited about making the shortlist that I'd forgotten to eat. I'd left my lunch bag backstage. I checked my watch. Ten minutes before class. I could make it. Film club had ended. Whoever left the auditorium last had turned out the lights, and I didn't have a clue how to turn them on, especially when finding the switch would require being able to see it. Glow-in-the-dark light switches, that's how I'd finance my first film. Of course, I'd need someone to actually make them. Like most directors, I was more of an idea person. I picked my way through the aisles, bashing my knees twice. Finally, my eyes adjusted to the dim emergency lights, and I found the stairs leading backstage. Then it got louder. Then it got tougher. The backstage dissolved into a smaller area curtained off for storage and makeshift dressing rooms. There were lights, but someone else had always turned them on. After feeling around the nearest wall and not finding a switch, I gave up. The faint glow of the emergency lights let me see shapes. Good enough. Still, it was pretty dark. I'm afraid of the dark. I had some bad experiences as a child imaginary friends who lurked in dark places and scared me. I know that sounds weird. Other kids dream up playmates. I imagine boogeymen. The smell of grease paint told me I was in the dressing room area, with the scent mingled with the unmistakable odor of mothballs and the old costumes. It didn't sway me, or it didn't calm me like it usually did. Three more steps and I let out a shriek as as fabric billowed around me. I stumbled into a curtain. Great. Exactly how loud had I screamed. I really hope these walls were soundproof. I swept my hair over my scratchy polyester. I, I swept my hand over the scratchy polyester until I found the opening and part- parted the curtains. Ahead, I could make out the lunch table. Something else sat on top of it. My bag. The makeshift hall. The makeshift hall seemed to stretch before me, yawning into darkness. It was perspective. The two curtain sides angled inwards, so the hall narrowed. Interesting illusion, especially for a suspense film. I'd have to remember that. Thinking about the quarters as the movie set to calm my nerves, I frame thinking about the quarter as the movie set calmed my nerves. I frame the shot, bouncing my step adding the bounce in my step adding a jerkiness that would make the scene more immediate, putting the viewer in the head of our protagonist, the foolish girl making her way towards the strange noise. Something thumped. I started, and my shoe squeaked, and that noise made me jump higher. I rubbed the goosebumps on my arms and tried to laugh. Okay, I did say strange noise, didn't I? Cue the sound effects, please. Another noise. A rustling. So we had rats in our spooky corridor, did we? How clichéd. Time to turn off my galloping imagination and focus. Direct the scene. Our Our protagonist sees something at the end of the corridor, a shadowy figure. Oh, please, talk about cheap thrills. Go for original, mysterious, take two. What's that she sees? A child's lunch bag? Bright yellow and new? Out of place in this old, condemned house? Keep the film rolling. Don't let my mind wander. A sob echoed through the silent rooms, then broke off, dissolving, dissolving into a wet snuffling. Crying, right, from my movie. The protagonist sees a child's lunch bag, then hears eerie sobs. Something moved at the end of the hall, a dark shape. I flung myself forward, racing for my bag. I grabbed it and took off. Chapter 3 Chloe, hold up! I'd just dumped my uneaten lunch in my locker and was walking away when Nate hailed me. I turned to see him edging sideways through a group of girls. The bell sounded and the hall erupted, kids jostling like salmon, fighting their way upstream, carrying along anything in their path. "'Nate had to struggle to reach me. "'You took off from film club before I could grab you. "'I wanted to see if you were going to the dance. "'Tomorrow? "'Mm, yeah.' "'He flashed a dimpled grin. "'Great. "'I'll see you there.' "'A swarm of kids engulfed him. "'I stood there staring after him. "'Had Nate just tracked me down to ask if I was going to the dance? "'It wasn't the same thing as asking me to the dance, "'but still, I was definitely going to need to rethink my outfit.' A senior whacked into me, knocking off my backpack and muttering something like standing in the middle of the hall. As I bent to grab my bag, I felt a gush between my legs. I snapped upright and stood frozen after, before taking a tentative step. Oh, God, had I actually wet myself? I took a deep breath. Maybe I was sick. My stomach had been dancing all day. See if you can clean up, and if it's bad, take a cab home. In the bathroom, I pulled down my pants and saw bright red. For a couple of minutes, I just sat there, on the toilet, grinning like an idiot and hoping that the rumor about the school bathroom cams wasn't true. I balled up toilet paper in my panties, pulled out my jeans, and waddled out of the stall. There it was, a sight that had mocked me since fall, the sanitary napkin dispenser. I reached into my back pocket and pulled out a $5 bill, a 10 and 2 pennies. Back into the stall, scavenged through my backpack, find one nickel. I eyed the machine, drew closer, examined the scratch lock and the one the one best that could be opened with a long fingernail. Mine weren't long, but my house key worked just fine. A banner week for me, getting shortlisted for the director's spot, Nate asking me about the dance, my first period. And now my first criminal act. After I fixed myself up, I dug into my backpack for my brush and emerged instead with a tube of hair color. I lifted it. My reflection in the mirror grinned back. Why not add? First skip class and first dye job to the list. Coloring my hair at the school bathroom sink wouldn't be easy, but it would probably be simpler than at home with Annette hovering. Dyeing a dozen bright red streaks took 20 minutes. I'd taken off my shirt to avoid getting dye on it, so I was standing over the sink in my bra and jeans. Luckily, no one came in. I finished, squeezing my hands dry with paper towel, took a deep breath and looked and smiled. Carrie had been right. It did look good. that would freak. My dad might notice, might even get mad, but I was pretty sure no one was going to hand me a 12 and under menu anymore. The door creaked. I shoved towels into the trash, grabbed my shirt, and dashed into the hall. I barely had time to latch the door before another girl started crying. I glanced over and saw a pair of Reeboks in the next stall. Should I ask whether she's okay, or would that embarrass her? The toilet flushed and the shadow at my feet shifted. The stall lock clicked open. When the tap started though her sobs got even louder the water shut off the tower roll squeaked paper crumpled the door opened it shut the crying continued a cold finger slid down my spine i told myself she changed her mind and was staying until she got things under control but the crying was right beside me and the next stall i squeezed my hands into fists it was just my imagination i slowly bent no shoes under the divider i ducked farther no shoes in any of the stalls the crying stopped I yanked my shirt on and hurried from the bathroom before it could start again. The door shut behind me, and all went silent. An empty hall. You! I spun to see a custodian walking towards me. I breathed a sigh of relief. The The bathroom. I was using the bathroom. He kept coming. I didn't recognize him. He was maybe my dad's age, with a brush cut, wearing our school janitorial uniform. a temp filling in for Mr. Teblum. I'm heading to cl- class now. I started walking. "'You! Get back here! I want to talk to you!' The only other sound was my footsteps. My footsteps. Why couldn't I hear his? I walked faster. A blur passed me, air shimmering about ten feet ahead, a figure taking form in a custodian's shirt and slacks. I wheeled and broke into a run. A man, The man let out a snarl and that echoed down the hall. A student rounded the corner and we almost collided. I stammered an apology and glanced over my shoulder. The janitor was gone.' I exhaled and closed my eyes. When I opened them, the blue uniform was shirt the blue uniform shirt was inches away from my face. I looked out. I looked up and let out a streak. He looked like a mannequin that had gotten too close to a fire, face burned or melted. One eye bulged, exposed, the other had slid down near his cheekbone, the whole cheek sagging, lips jerping, skin shiny and misshapen, and the twisted lips parted. Maybe now you'll pay attention to me. I ran headlong down the hall. As I flew past one classroom door, it opened. Chloe, a man's voice. I kept running. Talk to me. Talk to me. The horrible voice garbled, snarled, getting closer. Do you know how long I've been trapped here? I flew through the doors into the stairwell and headed up. Up, all the stupid heroines go up. I veered across the landing and hit the next set of stairs. The custodian limped up the flight below, fingers clutching the railing, melted fingers, bones peeking through. I barreled to the doors and raced along the main hall. "'Listen to me, you selfish Brad! All I want is five minutes.' I swerved into the nearest empty classroom and slammed the door. As I backed up into the center of the room, the custodian stepped through the door, right through it. That awful melted face was gone, and he was normal again." "'Is that better? Will you now stop screaming and talk to—' I darted to the window and started looking for a way to open it, and then saw how far down it was, at least thirty feet onto pavement. "'Chloe!' The door flew open. It was the vice-principal, Mrs. Waugh, with my math teacher, Mr. Travis, and the music teacher, whose name I couldn't remember. Seeing me at the window, Mrs. Waugh threw out her arms, blocking the two men. "'Chloe,' she said, voice low. "'Honey, you need to step away from the window.' I was just... Chloe? Confused. I looked back towards the window. Mr. Travis shot past Mrs. Waugh and tackled me. As we hit the floor, the air flew out of my lungs. Scrambling off, he accidentally kneed me in the stomach. I fell back, doubled over, wheezing. I opened my eyes to see the custodian standing over me. I screamed and tried to get up, but Mr. Travis and the music teacher held me down while Mrs. Waugh bobbled into a cell phone the custodian leaned over through mr travis now will you talk to me girl can't get away i thrashed kicking at the custodian trying to pull away from the teachers they only held me tighter i vaguely heard mrs Waugh calling that help was on the way the custodian pushed his face into mine and it changed to that horrible melted mask so close i was staring into one of his bulging eyes almost out of its socket I chomped down on my tongue so I wouldn't scream. Blood filled my mouth. The more I thought, the harder the teachers came. The more I fought, the harder the teachers restrained me, twisting my arms, pain stabbing through me. Can't you see him, I shouted? He's right there. Please, 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 please get him away from me. I can't get him away. They wouldn't listen. I continued to struggle, to argue, but they held me still as the burned man taunted me. Finally, two men in uniforms hurried through the door. One of the teachers that helped to restrain me and the other moved behind me out of my sight. Fingers tightened up my forearm and then a needle prick. Ice slid through my veins. The room started to sway. The custodian faded, blinking in and out. No, he yelled. I need to speak to her. Do you understand? She can hear me. I only want to. His voice faded away as the paramedic lowered me into a stretcher. It rose, swaying, swaying like an elephant, I rode one once, with my mom, at the zoo, and my mind slipped back there, mom's arms around me, her laughter. The custodian's howl of rage sliced through my memory. Don't take her away, I need her! Swaying, the elephant swaying, my mom laughing.